I'm up. <laughs> I'm up. <laughs> Good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will <clears throat> excuse me again. Yeah, yes, uh, good morning. I want to welcome everyone to the, uh, the services uh, this morning. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful, anytime we can be in fellowship with other believers is a good, is a good thing. And uh, we just uh, praise God for our, our fellow, fellow believers. And as we come out on Sunday morning and, and other times to uh, meet, and uh, bear one another's burdens. So we're just uh, glad to see everyone here this morning. It's good to see uh, uh, Sandy and Deb Palmer here this morning. Been a, and uh, welcome back. It's good to see you guys. And uh, and uh, yes, and Shirley and Devin. Right, Ex excellent. Right, I uh, I spoke with them for a second. So and. Uh, and then I can't tell Devin and Dakota apart, so it's a, so that was so that was that was that. Anyways, sorry, Devin. <clears throat> we have we have a few announcements uh, this morning uh, that need to be made. We will be having a work day on Saturday, this coming Saturday here at the church at 9 a.m. and so. It will be for uh, inside work, uh, inside cleaning and fixing and anything that needs to be done inside uh, and outside work. And so uh, that will be at 9 o'clock on Saturday. If you have anything to bring as far as brooms and wheelbarrows and all of those things, uh, you can talk to uh, Luther or I think or possibly Dean and, uh, and they can let you know what's going on with that. And uh, many hands make light work. So, um, so be. Uh, so, um, we'd like to see as many people as possible here. We'll get things uh, ship shape. Uh, let's see. Uh, Donna has an announcement. <clears throat> Yay! Yay! Yay. <laughs> That's right. All right, and let's see. Ian had an announcement. Ian. Good morning. I just wanted to remind folks, we don't always mention it from the pulpit, um, but we have been meeting for Sunday school every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for ways to grow in your faith, um, that's a, it's a great opportunity. Um, and I think most Sunday mornings we go by without even mentioning it. Uh, but a number of us get together at 9 o'clock, and we've got a couple of faithful teachers who put together lessons for the young people. And then uh, the adults have to deal with me uh, for half an hour or so. And uh, at the moment we're going through 2 Timothy and uh, just going verse by verse. Uh, every Sunday morning, and so I'd encourage you, if you're looking for ways to, to plug in and grow in your faith, it's a convenient thing, because it's right before uh, church here on Sunday morning, so I just wanted to mention that. Thank you, Ian. Uh, any other announcements that need to be made this morning? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I did write that down. I just forgot. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's open our service this morning with a word of prayer. Our dear, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And even though it's not bright and sunny right now, and and it's been kind of cold recently, but we're just so thankful for the coming of spring and the, the coming of summer and the warmer weather and the and the flowers and the green grass and just the beauty of your creation and and so often we we get so busy and we've got to do this and we've got to do that and we get so busy and uh, it's just good sometimes to stop and and see your creation and and be amazed at what you have done and and if you can do all this how much you can do in each one of our lives as well and so lord i pray that you'd help us to uh, think of you often we just thank you that we can be here this morning and we thank you for those that were able to be able to be here this morning and those that that uh, are not for one reason or another and through either uh, health or other reasons we pray that you would bring them back and we we just thank you that we can be here that we've been here for over 175 years and we thank you for the ministry here and for those that have heard the word and been saved right here in this little town. And we just thank you for the kingdom work that's going on here. And we pray that it would continue. We pray that you would give each one of us faithfulness in our day-to-day -day lives. We pray that you would uh, speak through Ian this morning as he brings the message. We pray that everything that we do would be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you turn with me to our scripture reading this morning, it will be in Psalm 4, if you'd like to follow along. It's about eight verses. Psalm 4. <clears throat> Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O oh men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Selah. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Amen. Amen. He is our no matter what. He is there. Let's stand and sing number 43. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let's sing the first, the third, and the fourth. One, three, and four. Those little arrows are right beside it. One, three, and four. Sing it out. Oh 
power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the Amen. Amen. And if you turn with me to number 444. 444. I love to tell the story. Let's sing all four verses. Time on. 
Thank you. And uh, we also have coffee time this morning. Am I correct? Yes. We also have coffee time this morning after the service. I just wanted to mention that. And uh, would the ushers come forward for the morning offering, please? standing remain standing and uh this is the last one i promise <laughs> we'll turn in our uh handout uh to hymn one in our handout hymn number one christ our hope and life and death oh it's a good one Christ alone, Christ alone, what is our own? 
Again, we're going to spend some time now to uh, go to the Lord together in prayer. I was uh, handed a uh, a note this morning from Sandy and Deb, and I was asked to read it. So uh, this is from Sandy and Deb, church family. We are so blessed to be part of such a kind, thoughtful, and giving family. It truly is God's hands at work, guiding us where we are needed and loved. Thank you all so much for the funds to help fix our roof. 
Sandy and Deb. So we're, th- we're thankful for you, Sandy and Deb. I'm glad you're here this morning. Good to see you guys. And the, uh, any pr- requests, praises, thanksgivings to bring before the Lord this morning? Uh, Miranda stepped out. She was here for Sunday school, but she's feeling a little upset. Uh, stomach, we, uh, we had a, a long last couple of days with my dad's wedding, and so we've been out straight for 48 hours. So I think it's just caught up to her. Um, so pray for her if you think of her. And birthday. Yes, and it was her birthday yesterday. So it's been quite a weekend for us. Yes, Maureen. Good, good. All right. Okay. So praise uh, Maureen's daughter is is here and coming over for supper. And and which which of your daughters is traveling this week? Tara. Tara. Tara's traveling. And I didn't realize birthday wishes were in order. When was your birthday, Maureen? Second. It was the second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, happy birthday again. Oh. Happy oh. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here and no fooling. Oh, it was your birthday too. So many birthdays. Happy birthday, Anita. Lots of sp- <laughs> lots of spring babies in this church. All right. Any other requests, Thanksgivings? Yes, I'll mention a couple. Uh, Allison Cox is not here this morning. She's got an upset stomach, so pray for her. Um, Millie Burke is also not here this morning, um, so she's she's in a lot of pain in her back. So please pray for her. Um, Bill is here on her behalf, and we've got a few more requests that were that were in the offering as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning and we praise you because you are the mighty king above all kings, the mighty God above the whole universe. universe. And to you we lift up our souls. In you we trust, Father. Everything belongs to you, the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. So everything in the heavens above and everything in the earth below is yours. It all belongs to you. And so we come to you, Father, and we thank you and we praise your glorious name. We do confess, Lord, as we look upon your glory that, that we've fallen short of your glory, that we've strayed and wandered very often like lost sheep. We, we often follow too much the devices and the desires of our own hearts. Even this week, Lord, we've offended against your holy laws, either with our hands or in our hearts. And we ask, Lord, that you'd have mercy on us. We take a moment now to confess our sins unto you, to clear our conscience, to get anything off our chests before you that we need to as we come to you in worship. And we thank you, Father, for the promises of Scripture that for those who confess or are faithful to bring their sins into the light, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins.
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know that's all because of Jesus. It's our joy and our relief to trust in him, his death and his resurrection for everything in our Christian life. His death earned our forgiveness, our justification, our adoption, and that in his resurrection life, you are in an ongoing way resurrecting us, making us more like Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of eternal rest with you. We ask, Father, that for Christ's sake, you would enable us to live a godly and righteous life as we await either our death or Christ's return. Lord, we, uh, we lift up to you a number of requests this morning. We think of uh, Herman Miller, who's not with us again this week. We, we just pray that you bless him. Uh, renew his strength. We, we pray, Lord, that, that very soon he'd be able to, to join us. We pray, Lord, that this Sunday, uh, if it be your will, he'd be able to be with us. We'd be able to see his face. He'd be able to be encouraged by this gathering. Think of Millie Burke. We pray that you'd bring healing to her back, um, that she would no longer be in pain, and, uh, and that she'd be able to join us here again. We think of Allison, Lord. We pray that you'd uh, heal whatever sickness is overtaken her and, uh, and that she'd be able to join us soon. Pray that you'd uh, uh, give all those, Lord, who are not here with us this morning, uh, that, they, that they'd be able to set aside time to worship you and that you'd meet them there, encourage them in your word and in prayer. Lord, we pray for the Fuller family and, uh, and so much that they've been through in the, just in the last few days um, with the family home coming down. And uh, we just pray that you bring comfort to that family, that you bring blessings to the Fuller family and to Tannery Lane. And uh, we, we pray that you'd be with Charlie Parnell. I don't know what, uh, uh, specifically what's happening with him at the moment, but I just pray that you'd be with him. We encourage him, strengthen him in body, in mind, and in spirit. Lord, we um, also pray for Miranda. Pray that she'd be well this morning. Uh, that she'd, uh, um, Lord, whatever's up, she'd be able to rest well. And uh, that uh, both she and baby would be well and safe. Lord, we ask your blessing over this church. We thank you for this body um, and the many ways that we, we are enabled to be blessed by this church body and the privilege of the many ways that we're able to be a blessing to this church body. We thank you, Lord, for the many ways you've gifted us um, as, as individuals and the ways in which we're, we're blessed by the, the people around us. It's a joy to be able to gather together with your people in your name. And we ask, Lord, that you'd help us as your servants to prepare our minds for action, being sober-minded, that you'd help us to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ when he returns. Our hope is fixed on Jesus. He is our only hope in life and in death, and we anxiously await his return. We ask, Lord, that as we wait, you would set us apart to be more like Jesus. That as obedient children, we wouldn't be conformed to this world or to the passions of our, our old lives. But even as 
you have called us to be holy. Help us to be holy, Lord, growing in our Christ-likeness. We know that you've ransomed us. You've purchased us back from our old way of lives. Not purchased with silver or gold or any worldly thing, but purchased with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Having purified our souls by obedience to this gospel, Father, we ask that you would help us to love one another earnestly from a pure heart since we've been born again, not, not by the will of man, but through the living and abiding word of God. Pray that you'd be with us this morning, Father. Be with us in this service. Pray that you bring revival to our congregation, revival to our hearts, revival to this world, to our nation. We ask, Lord, that you'd, in the coming months and years, that you'd give wisdom to those who are in positions of authority over us in government. We pray that they would have godly wisdom. We pray, Lord, for those that, um, um, that seem to militate against your truth, um, that they would be converted, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ, they would come to submit to him as Lord and as Savior. And we, we finally, Lord, we, we just ask your continued blessing over the service this morning and especially over all those who are not here with us. Um, we think, Lord, of, uh, um, of, of Connie Dyer, who we haven't been able to see in a long time, Joy and Randy, Lord, others of those who've been ap apart from us for a long time. I pray that you'd be with them this morning. Meet them wherever they are and fill them with your peace. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The text for this morning will be found in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And this should be our last passage of catch-up before we pick up with Jesus entering Jerusalem after the triumphal entry. I, uh, I love this passage. It's been a joy to study it this week. It's the final healing recorded in the Gospel of Mark. And it ties together a lot about what it looks like to put your faith in Jesus. So we're going to read the passage together this morning, and then we'll pray. We're in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man... Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 
Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray. Father, like blind Bartimaeus, we need Jesus' healing power. And as we meditate on your word this morning, we ask that you would be at work in our hearts by your spirit. Convince us of our need for you. Convince us of Christ's total ability to meet our most pressing needs. And give us faith to throw ourselves on him with abandon. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I just had a conversation with, uh, with Dottie this morning about fried chicken. Uh, some of you may know I used to work at Chick-fil-A. And I'm told the Thorntons are a Popeye's family. Which is fine, which is fine. <laughs> I like Popeye's as well. I think Chick-fil-A will always have first place in my heart. I, I, I was thinking back this past week. When I first started working at Chick-fil-A, I was sometimes frustrated by my training. Not with everyone. There's some, some great teachers there. But sometimes I would begin learning an, a new process or a new position. Um, and instead of showing me what to do, the trainer would tell me what to do. Right? I'd get a, maybe a two or three minute verbal explanation of something I was supposed to be learning. And at the end of it, I remembered nothing. In one ear, out the other, way over my head. I needed something more concrete. I needed an example. Here's how you do it. Now you try with your hands. And then I can remember it every time. What we have in our text this morning is an example. It's an excellent example of how to put your faith in Christ. You may be here this morning, and for whatever reason, you're not a Christian. Maybe you'd like to be but there's something holding you back, some hesitation. You'd like to be to trust Christ. You'd like to be saved. You know there's life to be found in Jesus, but maybe you just don't know how. Where do you even start? Bartimaeus will be our object lesson this morning. He's going to show us the way. And for all of you Christians here this morning, I hope this will be an encouragement to you too. Don't just turn off your brain now. The Christian life begins by putting our faith in Christ, but the life of faith doesn't end there. We continually have to be going again and again to Christ afresh, seeking new mercies for every new season in our lives as we talk about growing in our faith we still have much to learn from Bartimaeus. So here's our big idea this morning. Jesus saves those who come to him in faith. We've seen this principle at work already in Mark. Every time Jesus healed or saved someone who came to him in faith. And Bartimaeus is simply the kind of the crowning, the last example of this kind of saving in the gospel of Mark. So I really want to zoom in on Bartimaeus. I think it'll help us tie things together. Jesus saves those who come to him in faith. I want to ask two questions this morning. Answer two questions. First, how do you come to Christ in faith? 
Just practically, what does that look like? Secondly, how does Christ respond to those who come to him in faith? What does Jesus actually do when we come to him in faith? So we'll answer the first question first. How do you come to Christ in faith? What would it actually look like for you to put your faith in Christ this morning? Bartimaeus shows us three steps. Know your need, believe who Jesus is, and cry out to him. Know, believe, cry out. Let's jump into the account. Verse 46. And they came to Jericho. So Jericho is a, was a teeming city about 15 miles from Jerusalem. That's about here to Belfast. Be about a five and a half hour walk, which they were walking. So not far from Jerusalem. Jesus really was right on the, teetering right on the edge of entering Jerusalem. He's a, about to, uh, to, uh, to enter Jerusalem, that triumphal entry we talked about a few weeks ago. It wasn't going to be long. But for the moment, his popularity was still at an all-time high, right? He'd be crucified just a, a week or so later. But he's walking through Jericho. It's this teeming metropolis, and this great crowd is following him. Everyone had turned out to see the miracle-working teacher from Galilee. Verse 46, they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Bartimaeus. Many of the miracle accounts in the Gospels don't actually name the individuals who were healed by Jesus. But this is unique in that it does. We, we know the name of the guy who was healed. His name is Bartimaeus. This probably means that Bartimaeus was a part of or at least known by the early church. There was some memory of him um, if he wasn't even still around and part of a church somewhere. He was known or at least known to Mark. Um, and it may be that Mark includes this name because Bartimaeus would have been known to those reading the gospel. You, don't, you only name someone if there would have been some kind of recognition. This was Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. You know, the, the son of Timaeus. I like to imagine Bartimaeus recounting these events years later. Have I told you about the time I gained my sight? Young man, I haven't always been able to see. Have I told you about the day I met Jesus? Let me tell you. Blindness carried a, a stigma at the time, as did all handicaps. First of all, as a blind man, Bartimaeus wasn't able to support himself, let alone a family. Even a slave could work for a living, but as a blind man, he had to rely on begging, and this carried with it a certain amount of shame. Besides that, most Jews would have assumed that he was a great sinner, or that his parents were, because, or so the logic went, why would God punish him with blindness unless he was a great sinner? That's the way people thought. People assumed that blindness and sickness could often be traced directly to a person's sin. Of course, Jesus disavows us of that notion elsewhere in Scripture. They were wrong. Um, our 
earthly maladies are not, you can't always draw a direct line between our difficulties and our sin. Um, the book of Job is a great example of this, right? Sometimes we're faced with suffering and there's no, seemingly no purpose behind it. And yet here he was, sitting in shame, assumed to be a sinner. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is a simple cry. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But in that simple sentence, Bartimaeus shows us the simple way to come to Christ in faith. Know your need, believe who Jesus is, and cry out to him. First, Bartimaeus knew his need for Jesus. This is almost too obvious. Why would Bartimaeus cry out to Jesus for help if he didn't believe he needed help? The reason Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus in the middle of this noisy street was that he needed help. He was blind and he couldn't do anything about it, but Jesus could. He knew his need. Before you can put your faith in Jesus to be saved, you need to understand your need for him. You need to understand that you need to be saved. Jesus didn't come into the world because everything was fine and dandy down here. He came because we needed saving. We need saving. We don't put our faith in Jesus just because it's a nice thing to do for Jesus, right? We're not doing a favor for God by becoming Christians. We put our faith in Christ because we need him. Because like Bartimaeus, we realize that we're hopeless without the power of a savior. Bartimaeus needed his sight restored, and he knew it. And all of us as sinners need much more help than that. I feel like a broken record sometimes talking about sin and our need for God. I know so many of you understand this. We need Christ because without him we were hopeless. We were spiritually dead to God and enslaved to sin. That's the default human position. That's where we all start. And I know that's not a popular message. Most people don't like to hear that there's something wrong with them. Part of why some people don't like coming to churches that preach the Bible is because they have to hear about sin. Um, and if I was just trying to preach sermons that would be nice to hear, I probably wouldn't mention sin. But friends, God helping me, I'm going to continue to be a broken record about our sinfulness and our need for Christ until the day I die because the surest way to make Jesus irrelevant is to downplay our need for him. It's why so many in our culture and in our churches, young and old, find Jesus irrelevant. Why should I care about Jesus? I don't need him. I'm fine. I'm a good person. You may think so, but at least according to Jesus, you're not. What did Jesus say to the rich young ruler, just as we saw only last week? No one is good except God alone. We've all sinned. We all fall short. 
And before we or anyone else can put their faith in Christ, we're going to need to understand that. Until we understand our sinfulness and need, we simply will not come to Christ because we will not see the point. To avoid addressing the problem of our sin and rebellion against God is like refusing to mention the ticking time bomb in the cellar underneath your friend's house. I'd really rather not say anything. I'm sure they'd get upset. They might not even believe me. And anyways, it's not really my business. It's their basement after all, not mine. What kind of friend is that? That's not courtesy, that's hatred. That's not respect, it's indifference. If a doctor refuses to diagnose the cancer for fear of upsetting the patient, that's malpractice. Because to refuse to diagnose the problem is to keep the patient from the cure. As Christians, we simply cannot avoid the question of our sin and need for Christ. Until our friends and neighbors understand their need, they'll simply have no reason to run to the Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you just don't buy it. I don't really think I need Jesus. I don't need help. I'm fine. Friend, you may think so. But you, just like all of us, are a sinner. We, we all fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. And church, as long as we're doing it right, is not a place where we all pretend to be perfect. I, I never want to be a part of a church like that. Church is not for people who pretend to be perfect. It's a place for people who know they're in desperate need of a Savior. We have all whether by active rebellion or passive indifference, sinned against God in our thoughts, word, and words, and actions. We've refused to give him the honor he's due. We've worshipped false gods of our own making. We've sinned against our neighbors by anger, by disrespect, by malice, by covetousness, by pride, by hypocrisy. Even if it's all been in our hearts, we've fallen short. And God in his holiness, in his moral perfection, would be right to judge us and to condemn us to death and to hell. Every single one. He's a just judge and we stand condemned. The evidence is solid beyond a shadow of a doubt. We desperately need help. We desperately need a savior. Bartimaeus shows us the way to faith in Christ. First, know your need. Next, believe who Jesus is. Believe who Jesus is. Once we understand our need, we begin to look for a Savior. Who can help us? Who can forgive us? Who can save us? We've got the diagnosis. Who can bring us the cure? Bartimaeus recognized that Jesus was the one to help. Verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, and he cried out, Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus, 
son of David, have mercy on me. What's the significance of calling Jesus son of David? What's the significance? He's the Messiah. David was the king. The lineage. It was promised to David. There will always be a king on your throne. The Jews are expecting a Messiah, a, a king to come and to take back David's throne. To rule forever. To restore all the fortunes of Israel. And Bartimaeus recognized him. Bartimaeus saw this is Messiah, this Jesus. He's the son of David. He's the one who's supposed to restore our fortunes. He's the one who's supposed to bring healing and restoration to Israel and to the whole world. The second part of coming to Christ in faith is to see Jesus and to believe he is who he says he is. To take him at his word. Because in our need, why would we cry out to someone who can't help us? In facing the hopelessness of sin and of death, why would we turn to Jesus if he's a nice guy, a good teacher? He's not just a nice guy. He's the Messiah. He's the incarnate God. Bartimaeus saw that, at least that he was the Messiah. And Jesus came into the world to save the world. He died on the cross to save sinners from their sin. He rose from the dead to save sinners from death. And he lives today. And even now, he reigns seated at the right hand of the Father. That's who Jesus is. Feels like summer in here. <laughs> We've got to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. If, if Jesus was just a good teacher, as so many people claim, yeah, he was, he was a nice guy, right? What, why would we have any use for him? In the face of death, what's a nice guy going to do? I know a lot of nice guys, right? We, we need God in the flesh, crucified and risen from the dead. We need the one who sits at the right hand of the Father right now. Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was and he believed it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And his belief in who Jesus is became more apparent when he kept believing it, kept shouting it over the objections of the crowd. Verse 48, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. This is beggar. He's worse than a slave. He's blind because of his sin. What, what does Messiah have to do with this guy? But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. This guy's serious. He had a deep sense of his own need. He, he was reminded of it every day as he sat down on his mat and held out his hands as a constant reminder. I need. He needed help. And when Jesus came by, he knew this was the guy to help him. Because he believed 
really believed that Jesus was the Messiah. If there ever was a man who could help him, it was Jesus. So he cried out all the more in the face of rebuke, Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out to Jesus. That's the third step of coming to Jesus in faith. Know your need, know your Savior, cry out to him. Son of David, have mercy on me. If you believe that Jesus can heal and forgive you, cry out to him. True knowledge of our need, coupled with true knowledge of our Savior, will inevitably erupt into a cry for mercy, a plea for help. I know you're the son of David. I know you can help me. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. The final step of coming to Christ in faith is a simple plea for help. We overcomplicate this all the time. How would you respond if someone asked you, what does it take to become a Christian? What does it take to come to Christ in faith? It's simple. Know your need. Believe the Savior. Cry out. Cry out to him. That's it. If you're truly convicted of your sin and need, and you're truly convinced that Christ has the answer, cry out to him. That's faith. There's no secret formula. There's no password. Just cry out to him. doesn't matter where you are. Cry out to him right now in your pew. Cry out to him this afternoon in your car. There's all kinds of formulaic prayers out there which you you can pray. They can be helpful. But here's all you need to do. Go to God, confess your need, and cry out for a Savior. And you're a Christian. That's coming to God in faith. It's what Bartimaeus did on that street in Jericho, and it's what you can do today. And if you're a true Christian, you'll keep doing it every day of your life until he calls us home. It's the life of faith. Maybe that prospect terrifies you. What will happen if I go to him in faith, if I actually cry out? How will God respond? What will Jesus do when you cry out to him? The second half of our passage is going to provide us the answer this morning, and it is so encouraging. How does Christ respond to those who cry out in simple need and faith? Let's look to Bartimaeus. I believe that in Christ's healings, God wants us to see a picture of how he responds to everyone who comes to him in faith. Jesus never changes. His heart has not grown cold towards broken, hurting, sinful people in the last 2,000 years since he healed Bartimaeus. Not at all. How did Christ respond to Bartimaeus? Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. 
And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. What an encouragement to know that when the cry of need escapes the lips of the one who comes in faith, Christ's ear perks up. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Jesus isn't ambivalent towards those who come to him in simple faith. He is so responsive. He heard Bartimaeus and stopped in his tracks. He wasn't going a step further until this cry of faith was answered. He stopped in his tracks and then he called Bartimaeus to himself. When we cry to Jesus, Jesus hears us and calls us to himself. Jesus could have healed this man from across the street. He could have healed this man from another continent. He didn't need to see him to heal him. But Jesus is not a distant savior. Jesus doesn't coldly, impersonally save people who cry out to him. He's not a distant physician of the soul. He doesn't just heal people. He loves people. Matthew records in his account of this event that when Bartimaeus was brought to Jesus, Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus' heart is drawn out to those who cry out to him in faith. When you cry out in need to Jesus, there is no way he'll push you away. He will only ever draw you in closer. We spoke earlier about the, the need to understand our diagnosis, but as clearly as we need to see our sin, we also need to clearly see our Savior. We, I'm sure you've had conversations like this. We have friends and neighbors and family who will joke about the potential of the roof falling in were they to come into this building, right? But that, beneath that joke, for many people, there's a genuine fear about how Christ will respond when they come to him. People worry, will Christ toss me out if I come to him in faith? Is my sin too much for Jesus? Am I too far gone? And friends, as disciples of Jesus, we can be prepared with a ready answer. Jesus never turns away those who come to him in honest need and faith. Listen to Jesus' words in John 6, verse 37, and let's take him at his word. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Period. Done. God has spoken. On our own, with our sin, we have much to fear. But if we are willing to get honest and get on our knees and reach out to Christ, He, in His mercy, will never cast us out. If you come to Him honestly, in need, looking to Him and to His salvation, He will never push you away. He will always draw you in closer. And we need to be prepared to tell people that. Jesus stopped and said, 
Call him. Call him. And that's a reason to take heart. What did the crowd say when Jesus called? What did they tell Bartimaeus? After rebuking him a minute earlier. <laughs> take heart. Take heart, Bartimaeus. Get up. He's calling you. He's calling you. He wants to see you. Friend, if you feel a tug on your spirit this morning, if the finger of God is heavy on your soul, don't be afraid. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Refuse to remain seated on the mat of your own sin and despair for even a moment. The Savior's calling. Take heart. Get up. That's the first way Jesus responds to those who come to him in faith. He, in love, he calls us to himself. We'll pick up in verse 40, uh, 51. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This isn't complicated, people. Bartimaeus confessed his need, confessed his Messiah, cried out for help, and Jesus called him close and healed him. You know how Jesus responds to those who come to him in faith? He calls them to himself and heals them. That's the kind of Savior who blind Bartimaeus met in Jericho that day, a Savior who heals. Blind Bartimaeus isn't blind anymore. He can see. Blind Bartimaeus is no more. Meet seeing Bartimaeus. That's the kind of transformation Jesus brings to those who come to him. And Jesus hasn't changed. He's still in the business of calling his sinful, broken-hearted, rebellious, hurting, wayward children to himself and making them well. The sentence of our sin and misery and death does not have to be the final word. Jesus can make us well. And this is a room full of people who can testify to that wonderful power of Jesus to make us well again. Amen. We've been forgiven. Hallelujah. All of us are sinners, everyone. No matter what hypocritical, appearance-obsessed Christians may have tried to sell you, we're all sinners. And before we knew Christ, every one of us in this room carried a, sin, a load of sin and guilt and shame. Every one of us. We rebelled against and ignored our creator and we knew it. Jesus lifts it all. All of it. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to be at the same time totally real with God and with each other about our shortcomings and our failures and at the same time, totally loved and accepted and forgiven and made whole by.
by Jesus. That's the freedom the gospel brings us. That's what Jesus does for us. If we get real about our need, and if we get real about his power to save, Jesus can make us well. That's what he means by telling Bartimaeus, your faith has made you well. Jesus made him well. And Jesus makes well those who come to him in faith. In this Easter season, we can remind ourselves that the ability of Christ to make well doesn't end in this life with spiritual wellness. Of course, we we know in this life, God does not heal all of our physical diseases, right? All of us will one day succumb to death in this life. And yet we're promised eternal life. When we die in this life, we will go and be in the presence of the Lord. And it doesn't even end there. In this life and after our death, our, our, our hearts, our inner person has been made alive to God by His Spirit. But in the next life, at the resurrection, if we're in Christ, He'll actually make our bodies whole and alive again too. We'll receive resurrection bodies like Jesus has and we will live for eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus is making everything new. Jesus can make us well. This healing of Bartimaeus is just like, it's the tip of the iceberg. It's a foretaste, it's a down payment. An iceberg of life that was about to sink and will one day sink forever, the Titanic of death. How does Jesus respond when we come to him in faith? He calls us to himself and he makes us well. Maybe you're here this morning and as an experienced Christian, about three minutes into the sermon you checked out because you've heard it all before. (laughs) Yes, yes, this is elementary, it's basic. But it is so essential. And all of us, even experienced Christians, need to be reminded regularly of our need for Christ, of his ability to help, of his willingness to help, and of his power to heal and to make well. So, Christian, is there some sin in your life, some struggle on your mind, some deep wrestling in your soul, which in your self-reliance you have not brought to Christ for healing? What are you still keeping on the beggar's mat? We never outgrow our need for the healing power of Christ. Advanced Christianity, if there is such a thing, is only the basics of the Christian life lived out with increasing consistency and in more and more depth. As we grow, we don't become less aware of our need for Christ. We should be becoming even more aware of our need for Christ. Let's keep going to Jesus again and again in need and faith. Let's keep going back for his healing grace. 
the basic message of God's gracious response to our faith in Christ is the bread and butter of the Christian life, and we simply can't outgrow it. We sang it this morning, didn't we? I love to tell the story. For those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. My prayer is that as we grow in Christ, our, our love for the simple message of saving faith would, would only grow. Lord willing, we're going to have a baptism this spring. I've had a handful of people approach me about being baptized, which is such an encouragement. Um, we have people in our congregation who have come to faith in Christ, who have been washed by his blood, and they want to proclaim publicly and visibly to the whole world that Christ is their Savior and their Lord. Baptism proclaims that wonderful truth. It's a wonderful thing, even in the cold waters of a main pond in May. <laughs> so when we get a final date for that, we'll let you know. Um, if you've come to Christ and you haven't been baptized, or even if you'd like to come to Christ in faith but you have more questions, just let me know. I'm, I'm having at least one conversation about baptism after the service today, so just wait until... I usually hang out at the back. Just wait until the rush is over and come talk to me. Um, Jesus is so good. Let's pray. Jesus, this, this picture, this account we've gazed at this morning of this simple story of Bartimaeus coming to you in simple faith. It's, it's not complicated, but it's our only hope. We're so thankful, Jesus, to see your heart on display here. We're thankful to you by your spirit for softening up our hearts and making us aware of our great need for you and in, at the same time, through your word, making us aware of the one who can meet all our needs. Jesus, you are our hope. We put our trust in you. You are Messiah. You are Son of God. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, both in this life and the next. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have Kevin up, and, uh, and we'll sing our final song. Great song. Only trust him. Come every soul by sin oppressed. His mercy with the Lord. Stand and sing with me. Number 480. Only trust him. And we'll sing the first and the last verses. Come every soul by sin oppressed. 